Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I just want to begin by asking you a question. All of you have names. I just want to get a show of hands here. This is a bit of a survey. How many of you like your name, the name that your parents gave you? How many of you like your name? Okay, hands down. How many of you wish that they had named you something different? Okay, my first name, okay, Bart, uh, my first name is Brian, but I go by Robert Brian, and I always wish they would have called me Robert so that I could be Bob. I like Bob. If you want to call me Bob, you go ahead and call me Bob. But, uh, so some people might feel this way about their name, though. You named me what? Um, so I'm just glad I didn't get named after my dad. My dad is Herb. Can you, can everybody say Pastor Herb? Okay, it doesn't, just doesn't have the right ring to it. Okay, so how many of you would admit that your name has in some way maybe helped to shape your identity? For instance, yeah. For instance, if you got a nickname when you were a kid, maybe it wasn't very flattering, maybe it was, but sometimes nicknames can shape how we feel about ourselves. They can even shape um, how others feel about us. And I actually came across this, if I can find it. Here it is. Anybody know a guy called Johnny Cash? You ever hear of Johnny Cash? Anybody? Johnny Cash? One of his most famous songs was called A Boy Named Sue. This is some of the lyrics in the songs. Well, my daddy left home when I was three. Didn't leave very much to my mom and me. Then it goes on and says, but the meanest thing that my daddy ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. I tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. Well, I grew up quick and I grew up mean. My fist got hard and my wits got keener. And then one day he meets his dad in a saloon. And his dad says, son, this world is rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I knew I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I gave you that name and I said goodbye. And I knew you'd have to get tough or die. It's that name that helped to make you strong. So, you know what? Names are more than just something that people call us. I think we all realize this. And, of course, the name of this series is The Name. We're in a series of messages based on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Um, the names that our parents gave us, sometimes they just named us something because it sounded really cool. They just liked the ring of it. Or maybe they named you after somebody, after somebody they respected, like maybe, maybe you're named after your father or an uncle or an aunt or something like that. But sometimes names have deeper meanings. Sometimes people pick a name because it has a particular meaning um, that might be honoring. In the Bible, names are really important. You're going to find that in the Bible, that names are important. For instance, the name Jesus comes from the Hebrew Yeshua, and that literally means Savior. Isn't that beautiful? Yeshua, Savior. Um, and so, not only did names speak of identity in the Bible, but sometimes people would get a new name in the Bible, and it would help to shape a new identity. It, was, it became a new way of seeing themselves. So, for instance, going back to Genesis chapter 12, there was a man called Abram, and it meant exalted father. But in his old age, God said, you're going to have many children and grandchildren. You'll become the father of many, many, many. And you won't even be able to number them. And you'll bless all the nations of the earth. And God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. New identity. God changed Jacob's name. Jacob meant deceiver. 
And Israel was when Jacob had wrestled with God. God said, this is a man who had wrestled with God, contended with God. It gave him a new identity. Jesus changed one of the fishermen, Simon and Andrew. Remember they were fishing? God says to Peter, Simon, he says, Simon, your name is now what? Peter, which means what? Rock. And so he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And, and so there's, names can give a sense of identity. Um, then there's the names of God in the Old Testament. And uh, in the Old Testament, you know, we know that the covenant name of God is Yahweh. Now, some people say Jehovah. We're not exactly sure of the pronunciation. Uh, but then there's Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh Rapha, Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Rofi. There's all these different names. I only named some of them. And all, each of these names of God tells us something about the character of God, what he's like. And so that brings us to the prophecy of Isaiah, verse 6. And this is what it says. Chapter 9, verse 6. And I think it'll come up on the screen there for you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We heard about that from Tammy, Pastor Tammy, last Sunday. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So it says, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Who is this talking about? Don't say it out loud. If you're watching online, maybe you're watching at home, maybe some of you here today, maybe you don't know who it's talking about. Actually, it's still debated today by some scholars as to who it's talking about. But before we answer that question, I want to put these two verses into context. God's judgment was on his people. This was the southern tribe of Judah. And uh, it was, his judgment was on them because of their unfaithfulness. They, they had broken covenant with God. And so it says that there would be gloom and distress and deep darkness in their future if they would not repent and turn back to God. But then there's this promise at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 9. Even though they're in deep darkness and things are not as they should be, nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. And then don't worry about the rest of that. Let's go to verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Think about this. It's getting darker. The days are getting shorter. And that's why we put out Christmas lights, to remind us that there is light in the world from our God. And you know what? Maybe we've been feeling like we've been living in darkness since COVID began. I know I keep talking about COVID every Sunday. You're saying, Brian, don't talk about COVID anymore, please. But that's the time we've been living in. It's been distressful. It's been gloomy. But then he says here in verse 3, You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Isaiah's prophecy here in chapter 9 is a reminder that even though some bad days are going to come upon you, don't worry. The torment will not last forever. 
A day was coming when the people that were walking in darkness were going to see a great light. And then in verses 4 and 5, he says, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, he's thinking back to the book of Judges, Gideon, when he defeated the Midianites. He said, As in the day of Midian's defeat, you, God, have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now that image of the yoke, and you'll see a yoke here. Now that one looks pretty tame. The kind of yokes that they used when the uh, people of uh, Israel were in uh, Egypt, when they were slaves, um, the yoke was very, very oppressive. They were kind of made of wood, but they would put it right over their head. It would be like a semi and it would go right over the head. Sometimes you would carry a yoke with another person, and you'd be carrying some kind of a load or pulling a cart. They did that to African-American slaves in, in, in America. Shameful what they did. And, and, and they would have this yoke, this burden uh, placed upon them. And so the idea of the yoke, when he says, God has shattered the yoke, that has burdened you. God still shatters yokes today if we will turn to him. It represents tyranny and oppression, and God is here to deliver us from that. So even when all seems lost, the prophet, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit, sees a day of deliverance when God will once again act on behalf of his unfaithful people. A day when faith will become sight and hope will be restored. Now I want to ask you, and don't say it out loud, please. How do you feel about your spiritual life today? Have you sinned? Do you feel like you've disappointed God? How's your attitude? Your words, your actions, your thoughts? You know, I, I go through life sometimes feeling like I've really disappointed God. I still feel that way sometimes. I feel like, God, I, I, I've said things, I've done things, I've thought things that I know are not pleasing to you. But you know what? Our God is faithful even when we're not. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. And so, the question is this. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Who is that promise for? Some people would say, well, that was only for the people back then. In, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago when Isaiah gave this. No. It's for us today, for all who call upon the name of the Lord, for all who are far off. If that's not true, then why would we even preach on it? So the central message here is no matter how far we wander from God, His path, no matter how unfaithful you might feel you are or have been, God will not give up on you. Can you just say this out loud with me? God will not give up on me. God will not give up on me. He will not give up on you. He may be displeased with you, disappointed with you, but he loves you and he will not give up on you. That's the message here of Isaiah. So that brings us back to the main text. Let's go back to verse 6. To us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. Wouldn't that be great if the government was on the shoulders of Jesus? He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, this passage, and earlier on, in verse 4, when it says, You have shattered the yoke, is speaking in what's known as the prophetic perfect. It's actually this, and this is, this is up here on the screen. 
it speaks as if it's already completed. It hasn't yet happened. But God is saying, guess what? The yoke that you bear right now in your life, the burden that you're carrying right now, those of you that are sitting here, me as well, it's broken. It's broken. That's the prophetic word. He said, if you will only claim it, if you'll only believe it. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, it's as good as done. It's as good as done. It's like an already completed. It hadn't happened yet. They hadn't even been taken captive yet. It was all the bad stuff was going to happen, and then all the good stuff was going to happen if they would trust him. That's the prophetic perfect. It's like it's an already completed action. So he said, just say it out loud. Let's try it, okay? To us, a child is born. Everybody? To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. To us, the son is given. They could have said that hundreds of years before Jesus was born. That's the prophetic perfect. Consider it as good as done. Now, this passage that in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, is given to a people who were going to experience the worst disappointment, kind of like we have the last couple of years. And today, we're disappointed with our politicians. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think we really are. I, I, I think we're disappointed with political leaders. I think people are probably maybe disappointed with pastors too. And sometimes we deserve that. We're disappointed with leaders. We're, we're cynical about government. But this prophecy, it's about the ideal monarch. The one who will come, who will bring an end to all wars, who will establish peace, not just peace on earth, but peace between you and him and between you and each other. And his kingdom will be an eternal kingdom, an everlasting kingdom of righteousness, justice, joy, and peace. And that's why it says in verse 7 again, of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. You know what the problem is? You just think you got the right government elected, the right leader, and guess what? They get voted out. Or they didn't keep their promises, or maybe they couldn't keep their promises, and we're disappointed once again, but not with this king, not with this one. And so the four names that we see in verse 6 are really, they're not really names. They're not names, they're titles. They're titles. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are descriptions of what he is like, what kind of a ruler he will be. You see, when somebody gives you a name or a, like a title, like a title, like a moniker, it's kind of like it describes something about you. So for instance, let's take a look at this. Who is the great one? It's right here. There's the great one. But what is his name? Wayne Gretzky, but he's called the great one. Just like G Jesus is the Wonderful counselor. I gave it away. We know who this prophecy is about. It's about Jesus. Okay. All right. I was going to save that till later. Okay. But how about this? Who's this guy? That's Tom Brady. The NFL football quarterback. Won seven Super Bowls. And he's known as the GOAT. G-O-A-T. Greatest of all time. But they call him the GOAT. That's what this is going on. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6. That's what it's about. These are titles. They're compliments. But what we learn about this in Isaiah 9, verse 6, this, is, um, this king 
is deity. He's not like, so David was a great king. Solomon was a great king. They had good kings, bad kings, but this king is an eternal king with an eternal kingdom. And guess what? He's divine. He's not just an ordinary human being. These lofty titles, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, you don't say that about King David, as great as he was. These are divine attributes. And so two chapters earlier, in Isaiah 7, 14, the prophet Isaiah says to Judah's reigning king, Ahaz, who had some problems, he says to, he says to him, therefore the Lord himself, Ahaz, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And then in chapter 9, verse 6, to us a child is born, a son is given. This is God with us, this coming king. He's what we often call the God-man, God and man. So as we learned in last week's message, this child who is born, the son who is given, is a wonderful counselor. Today, we learn that he's the mighty God. And this is really what it means in the Hebrew, El Gibor, Okay, and El Gabor is a picture of God as a warrior, as a warrior. Um, Isaiah 42, verse 13, it says, The Lord will march out like a champion. This is talking about God in Isaiah 42. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and triumph over his enemies. Now it's saying that this coming king, the son who is given, is a mighty God. He's no ordinary king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's not what we would expect, though. Several chapters later in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, one of the most best-known passages in Isaiah, it talks about him being a suffering servant. Hmm. We esteemed him not. He carried our sorrows, our burdens. He's not quite what we would expect even though he's God and man. He would be born in humble circumstances, not in a royal palace. And that's what we celebrate during the season of Advent, folks. We celebrate the child who is born, the son who is given, the one upon whose shoulders the government will one day rest for all eternity, and we know him, this, is, this was my punchline, by the name of Jesus. And you're also going, oh, that's who it is. The name El Gabor, mighty God, points to the day when God will vanquish all his enemies and all, all of creation will bow at the feet of Jesus. And everyone will say, and I want you to say it, Jesus is Lord. Yes, he is the mighty God. God is powerful enough to destroy his enemies in an instant he could incinerate all of his enemies, but yet again and again, when his final deliverance comes, and this is a quote from a Bible commentary, a childlike face peers out at us. Listen, God is strong enough, like Trent McDowell's biceps, to overcome his enemies by becoming vulnerable, transparent, and humble. The only hope, in fact, for turning enmity into friendship in the end, 
God will try, wants to triumph over his enemies by turning their enmity into friendship. And this is what it says in Philippians chapter 2 about Jesus. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. He was obedient to death. How about you and me? Are we obedient to God even to the point of death? Even to the point of martyrdom if necessary? Jesus showed us the way. Therefore, it says, God exalted him. Because he humbled himself, what did God do? Exalted him. Gave him the name above every name. This, see, here's the name. That at the name of... Let's say it out loud. That the name of Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, that at that name every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is true might. True might is found in humility. True might is found in meekness. And God shows us the way through his coming king. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And he will rule in justice, righteousness, with joy and with peace. And then when this mighty God is finally established on his throne forever, this will bring peace on earth and goodwill to all people. And so with everything that's wrong in our world today, and there's lots wrong in our world today, there's lots to be afraid of, amen? I mean, there really is. If you, if you didn't trust in God, and it, there'd be lots to be afraid of. We cannot fix this ourselves. That's what this passage is about. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. We can't fix it. God can use us, but he's the only one that can fix us. In the time of deep darkness, gloom, and despair, a light is dawned just when all seems lost. Even when it's darkest, dawn is on its way. So we shouldn't think that God rescues his people because we're faithful. <laughs> we're not often faithful, but God loves us deeply. There is nothing in all... Folks, I want to say this to you today. Maybe you're like Israel. And you're unfaithful. There's still hope for you. Right now, if you're being disobedient to God and you're walking in darkness, God still loves you. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 39. Nothing can separate you from his love. Our mighty God is with us. He's there waiting for us to return to him as individuals, as a church. And because of that, we can have confidence that in the end, all will be well because God is in control. I'm PVRing some football games today. I like to PVR the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what I do, because, you know, the game maybe, you know, starts at 11 o'clock. And so what will happen is I'll watch to see if they won. If they lost, I don't watch it. Because, like, who wants to watch it where there's not a happy ending? Like, I, don't, I hate movies without a happy ending. And so what I do is they, if they win, and they sort of come from behind in the last quarter, and I'm looking ahead, and people will say, well, why do you even watch it? Well, it's because the reason why I went to the movie Titanic. I knew it was going to sink. Still went. So the idea was, 
I, I like to watch them win. I just like the process. I, but I guess what? I'm not nearly as nervous in the first quarter, the second quarter, and third quarter when they're behind because I know in the end they're going to win. Guess what? We know the ending. You've heard that before. We know the ending. It's the prophetic perfect to us. A child is born, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders one day. Oh, man. So, it's all going to be well in the end. So, where is your confidence today? Where is it? So, I'm going to end. Where is your confidence? Who do you look to when you're in trouble? When our world is in trouble? When we feel confused and afraid? Do you turn to yourself? Do we turn to others, other nations, superstitions, false gods? You know, it's okay to go to godly wisdom in in, in the form of people. That's okay. But in the end, we all turn to God. We pray first. That's one of our core values at First Church. We pray first. We pray first. We seek the Lord. So is he your mighty God today? I want to ask you that question. Don't answer it loud. Is he your mighty God? Are you fixing your eyes on him? And his coming again on his kingdom that will come. Our coming king is the only one that can restore everything and set right all that is wrong. Our God is able. Nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is too difficult for him. He is the barrier-breaking God. He is the mountain-moving God. He is the God who speaks and it is. He's sovereign over the whole universe and over the course of history. He is sovereign over his church, and he wants to be sovereign over your life. He wants to be your mighty God today. Let's pray. Today, let's be reminded that whatever yoke we bear, whatever burden we bear, whatever oppression is pressing down upon us, that he could shatter that yoke And Jesus said, Pastor Trent's favorite verse, Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, rest, rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and that's because Jesus carries the yoke with us. So would you right now, in closing, say, Lord, I put my hope in you. My hope is in you. My eyes are fixed on you. Would you say that? My eyes are fixed on you. My eyes are fixed on the coming king. My eyes are fixed on the promise that a child is born. A son is given. And the government will rest on his shoulders. He will rule. I believe this, Lord. Say this. I, he, he will rule in justice in righteousness and bring in a kingdom of peace and can you name one impossible situation that you're facing right now in your life and I say quote unquote impossible that you need God's help with what is the yoke you're bearing right now the burden you're carrying what thoughts dark thoughts are oppressing you right now what are you worried about what are you afraid of can you name it can you name it Say, Lord, lift this yoke, shatter this yoke. Would you trust him for that this week? In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. And now, for those watching online, for those that are here, we're going to go into this fireside chat. We're going to take about two minutes just to get some chairs set up on the platform here. Uh, we're going to have a, 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 few, a microphone for you to, to, uh, to use if you want to ask questions later on in this meeting. We welcome you to stay. I'm going to steal some of Trent's thunder here, but we welcome you to stay. Uh, we have child care throughout the service, uh, so just know that. Thank you to our child care workers um, for doing that. And there's water in the back. If you don't need to go out of the room, you can just grab some water in the back here. I think there's some water bottles available um, soon, and you can do that. If you need to use the restroom or go get your kids, feel free to do that. You're not in prison here. So uh, anyway, um, thank you so much. And in about two minutes, we're going to start, and we're going to have everybody out here by 12 at the latest, okay? Thank you.